Shut up and sit down. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to say is... Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I did not have sexual relations with that woman i'm speaking with myself number one because i have a very good brain and i've said a lot of things and he's, he's gonna need the big brain he's this week really gonna need it <laughs> god i hope they have him on tape someone i hope someone was wearing a wire oh so there's there were some wires worn <laughs> yay it's only gonna get more interesting yeah. from here forward <laughs> Oh my god. Welcome back guys. Welcome back. To an exciting week of Barstool Politics. Yes. This is this is going to be a good one. It's, I've been looking for it for the last 2 days. It's going to be something. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> other podcasts rushed into right after indictment, right after the indictment was released. They we waited a couple days to let let some information sit, you know, sift in and well, we wanted to get all the facts right. That's right. That's yeah. that's important. We report you decide. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, we're lazy. Also, that <laughs> we're very scheduled. So there we're Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um. Yeah. I, I mean, we're we're going to be talking a lot about um, the uh, what they're calling Papadopoulos Gate at this point. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and go through our, our normal speed rounds after that. Uh. Quick plugs before we get started. Uh. If you like the podcast, follow us on Facebook. Uh, at Barstool Politics, Twitter at Barstool Paul, P-O-L. Uh, if you have questions uh, that you want us to answer or comments or beer suggestions, uh, hit us up uh, on our email, barstoolpolitics at yahoo.com. Uh, you can check out beers that we try on the Untapped app that you can download on iOS or Android um, and various other things that aren't related to us, so don't go anywhere else. Um, share us with your friends. Also, share us. God, I yeah. always forget that. Well, one. that's the yeah, most important. The one. friends we have, you know, you got to share us with the friends. Mm-hmm. So, how you doing, Phil? I'm good. Yeah, I, yeah. You ready to talk some Papadopoulos? Oh, I'm so ready. <laughs> uh, where, where do we start with this one? I mean, I would, <laughs> I would like to start by apologizing because I was under no impression that there were going to be any sort of charges filed or really anything coming out of this investigation for at least two years something like that i haven't i haven't gone back and looked at the old episodes but i know it wasn't this quick it's it's muller time nick yeah. it's muller time, it's Mueller time. <laughs> we've got to start with manafort right yeah like, I I, think that's so. the bigger i mean i don't know if it's the it, it's the bigger story in the news at least the I, the the papadopoulos stuff might be more interesting in in some ways but i, I feel like we have to start with manafort i think right? so yeah the the papadopoulos links us to russia but i think you're right at the end of the day in terms of the legal consequences Manafort is in some serious trouble. Uh, apparently, you can't you can't uh, seventy five million dollars. You have to pay taxes on, and you, you're not allowed to money launder. Well, that's that. just unfair. Yeah. yeah, he earned that money right from stealing it from other people, <laughs> from Ukrainian despots. <laughs> no, I, I think you're absolutely right. That uh, the Manafort, how, how how big of a deal is this? That the campaign chairman, while he was campaign chairman, was money laundering millions and millions of dollars. It's huge. Okay, right? okay good. I wasn't sure. I, I think the telling thing is Pause that we have fact. like yeah. I, it tells you something about the reality that we're living in that that this that, that the former campaign chair of the president of the United States was indicted not just on money laundering but on like charges of uh, you know 
well, I forget how it was worded, but not registering as a foreign agent right. and like conspiracy against the, the yes, U.S. government, yes. right? Mm. Like that in any like this is massively historical, right? Like this, this is huge. This is a huge, um, a huge event. And the fact that we're just sort of like, yeah, it, yeah, it's <laughs> telling. Was, I well, think. we're tired. It was twelve counts, right? They charged him with twelve different counts. Is that right? I, Something uh, like that. I, I was going to guess nine, but I, you, I, that was... It could I be. I, I thought it was double digits. I could be wrong. But yeah, Paul Manafort and his aide, Richard Gates, both of them in really, really deep trouble now. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, none of these are... Um, none of these charges are directly related to Russiagate. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. So... Um, which doesn't mean that there's not a connection there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's... I, they're 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 related to all sorts of other corruption elements, and and there's something um, troubling about the fact that that this was the person that the Trump administration sought out, right? And it certainly right. raises questions about how much the Trump administration knew about him. It seems like it was a fairly uh, I don't know if I should say open secret, but it seems like you know not the average person, but I, I don't know that any of this was, is particularly shocking. Like, it sounds like people within DC or within sort of inner circles kind of knew that this was a fishy character, right? I think that's, that's the sense you're getting that he was, he was involved all over the globe in, in financial dealings that weren't always above board. Uh, yeah. Cause that, that was the thing that it, it's not only that what he did is illegal, but should Donald Trump have known this and does it reflect on his judgment? And now the Trump defense on a lot of this is to say, well, those crimes were, committed especially the foreign agent before he was a campaign chairman well okay sort of but you were still money laundering the whole time you were the campaign chairman and you were money laundering connecting with ukraine where your support was with this pro-russian uh oligarch uh who was eventually kicked out of power you're connected all the way through ukraine and russia so you're right there's no direct connection there's no you can't (coughs) imply collusion because of of the charges against manafort but it's still a whole lot of Russia. But he still started it before the campaign. <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, he, can't he just be grandfathered in <laughs> right. to money laundering? That's a great defense when you say, I was committing a crime way before I was campaign <laughs> right. chairman. Right? <laughs> this is old news. Hey, man, if that's the defense, maybe it's the lesser of two evils yeah. at this point. I was just finishing up my money laundering. It's not easy to move 70, $75 million were being moved. Uh, and I, did you guys see that Manafort was buying all these products in in New York, like rugs for hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars, suits that were super expensive, and he was doing wire transfers for all of them from these accounts, offshore accounts. Mm-hmm. So like his landscaping, he was like, "Hey, Mr. Landscaper, I'm going to be paying you with a money order from <laughs> an account from Cyprus." <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean. So, to, to... Uh, this that calls back to a previous episode for either new listeners or people who quickly block out what we say. Yeah. We talked about this a few weeks ago, right? When they did the search of Manafort's house, we talked about how they were taking pictures of his suits and yes. all sorts of other things because that is, you know, that ties into this evidence of the ways in which you're living a lifestyle beyond what you have claimed you actually make, right? And all of this, you know, it all starts to make sense when you see the indictments that come out. And you see that Mueller's not messing around. I mean, he is meticulous. Right. When you look through that indictment, he's he lists suits and landscapers and rugs and every little bit of money that's being spent uh he's 
So the question is, is he? do you think he's doing this to now squeeze somebody else? Is the idea that you throw the book at him with nothing related to Russia, hoping that you can now open and get a little bit deeper into if there's potential collusion? I would think so. Yeah. I mean, when I initially heard that there were charges being filed, I assumed it was going to be some small fish or something, yeah. and you know, we would get something juicier later on. And someone said it was Manafort. you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> yes. So, I, I mean, for shock value and to really get people scared, I would. I think that's a really good tactic, personally. But. It's a, We knew, you know, so on Friday, you knew that there was going to be that leak, that there was going to be an indictment. I I thought it would be Flynn. I was going to say, Mike Flynn shit his pants <laughs> right. on the night. Right. <laughs> leaked that there was going to be an indictment. But the fact that he went after Manafort right away, and like you said, Nick, with such a heavy charge, I, I think it's fair to speculate that Manafort is sending a signal to everybody else, sure. don't lie to me, don't mess with me, I have all of the information. Uh, this was, it was, <laughs> yes, I think Flynn, but I think the whole Trump administration has to be a little worried about sure. this. Yeah. Yeah, this this, the, uh, this comes across as an unfair fight, right? Yes. Like you feel like the 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 resources and the the sort of expertise of the team that Mueller has put together, and, and then I mean we'll get to Papadopoulos later on, but like he was like coordinating using Facebook Messenger, right? Like <laughs> yes. this is this there it's not going to end well for a lot of people. <laughs> I was I was talking to Nick before we went on the air. So <clears throat> Manafort's a lawyer when he came out after the charges were leveled came out and his first statement was Manafort to the to the press Manafort's attorney was President Donald Trump was correct there is no evidence the Trump campaign colluded with the Russian government so his the, the Manafort let me say that again <laughs> right he was absolutely right yes the president is right <clears throat> pardon pardon <laughs> so is do we think that Manafort if you're Manafort right now, are you hoping for a pardon? You've got to be scared that Mueller, unless you have information on Trump, you're you're done. Well, did they did they rescind his three passports and figure out what his alias is that he's been traveling under? <laughs> they've said he's a serious flight risk. They they have yeah. they've taken his passports, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, all, all three of them. Yes. Can you have three passports? He apparently had three passports. Phil, you, you just you, have well, you, one, right? Te- I guess technically you can have them, <laughs> not legally, but yes. <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, it's it's just bizarre. Like, like I, again, did not assume something was going to come out of this. I didn't think it was going to be this much of a huge splash immediately. Yeah. First charges filed. It's insane. And we're still, if you think about the timeline, to your point, Nick, we're still early in this process. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're right that this was... This is still early in the game, but he is starting off saying this is a significant development. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we'll see how the Trump administration responds and how Trump responds. Do you have a sense that Trump is going to be able to handle all of this in a way that will keep himself out of trouble? Or will he make this worse for himself? <laughs> I'm not even going to let you finish that question. <laughs> <laughs> no. But now he's in, now he's in, a, he's in a, a realm where if Trump does something incredibly stupid, which he has done a fair amount of before... He could be in serious legal jeopardy. Yeah. He's well, kind of... Go ahead, Phil. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, he's he's been relatively quiet thus far. <laughs> I think even he knows at this point, you can't fuck with this one too much. Yeah. I, I mean, we had talked about when Mueller was uh, initially appointed. If he 
decided to get rid of him or something, there would be mass upheaval about it. And he certainly can't do it now. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. I, don't you think Trump is having some conversations with his lawyers? And I'm sure you're right, Nick, that the lawyers are saying, no, President, you cannot fire Mueller. <laughs> but, uh, don't but, tell me what I can right, do. Right, I fired Comey, worked out okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the statement that he can't fire him is, like, I, I think that's, that's us talking from normal world, right? Like that, <laughs> We're through the looking glass at this world. point. <laughs> right. It is inconceivable that he would fire him, but he can. Yeah. I mean, he can't d- directly, but he could He could make it happen. Yeah. And the question of whether he can get away with it or not is not up to public opinion. It's up to Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. And, uh, you know, the, it's up to Congress to hold him accountable. Which would be political suicide, though. You think so? Too. I would think so. I, I could see suicide. A- to hold him accountable or not to? To hold Trump accountable? Yeah, yeah, if he fired if he fired Mueller. Oh yeah, if they didn't hold him accountable, that would be political suicide. I, I can see a world where Trump fires Mueller and the Republicans come out and do what they've done recently. Oh, that's terrible, terrible, did their widow but but nothing happens and no charges are brought, they don't reinstate Mueller. I, I mean I, Oh no, I, I mean that's as far as I would ever see yeah. it going. Yeah. Grandstanding and then doing nothing. Yes. That kind of accountable, DC right. accountable. DC I'm sorry, yeah. right? Which, which in the end means he would get away with it, yes. right? Like, so the idea that he can't do this isn't true until there's some bigger political shift in the Republican Party. I, I in in some ways, you could argue that the sooner Trump does it, the better, right? Yeah. It, for him, for him, the, the sooner he does it, the more likely he is to get away with it. But if this festers and then like more more stuff yes. comes out and it and it appears that there is corruption or collusion. And then he fires Mueller. That looks that's harder to get away with. But I, in some ways, I don't I don't know. Maybe I would advise him if you're going to do it, do it now. <laughs> Fire him now. Well, yeah. If you're going to make that stupid boneheaded decision. Yeah. Do it now. But what does that do for public opinion, especially going into the midterms? I mean, that, I, 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 I think, again, you have the, the core of the Republican Party that's going to stay with it no matter what. And probably even more vehemently. But. I feel like there'd be a lot of people that would not like that decision. That would be the tipping point, I, you think? Yeah. I'm, I'm torn. I, I don't really, know. I really want to believe that. But then, <laughs> like, all week this week, while all this has been happening, Fox News has been focused on cheeseburger emojis <laughs> and on, you know, on on Clinton's uranium stuff, which we'll talk about yeah. later on. But You don't I, I put don't the know. cheese on the bun. It goes <laughs> on the patty. Damn it. I think I I would have shared your views a few weeks ago, Nick, but last week soured me. The idea that, you know, when George W. Bush and Flake and McCain and, you know, Corker all come out and say this is unacceptable, we need to move, and the rest of the Republican Party was like, eh, it's not so bad. Mm -hmm. That that makes me wonder whether they would have the the gall to to push back against this. I I would hope so. Like you, Phil, I would hope so, but I don't I don't know. I don't know if it's there. My faith is pretty low. Yeah, at this point, right? It, it would be it would be a scandal of Nixonian proportions, maybe even bigger than that. Uh, but we're again, we're all so tired. That's right. We're all so tired. <laughs> all right, so let's let's transition to Papadopoulos. Wait, uh, no, 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 I don't no. Want to transition. Yet. I want to say Papadopoulos. <laughs> we'll get to Papadopoulos. Okay. We got lots of time. All right. <laughs> um, so, I, in talking about like how Trump handles this, one one option is firing Mueller, but there are other options. And, and you and I, I, I feel like we talked about this over text or something, but there, do you, do you see Trump and you even mentioned it earlier, pardoning Manafort or stepping in and trying to intervene in, you know, in a, in a, it's still direct, but it's not as direct as 
firing Mueller. And is that the sort of decision? I mean, that can have real legal ramifications that I haven't really thought about all that much. But if you pardon, I could see Trump thinking that pardoning Manafort is smart. But in some ways, pardoning Manafort frees him up in lots of other ways to to do stuff, too. I I assume behind the scenes right now, they're having conversations about what would happen if I did pardon Manafort. Because once you pardon Manafort, he no longer can claim the fifth. He's got to testify or you can hold him in jail or in contempt. So I don't think Trump would pardon Manafort out of any sense of loyalty, only self-interest. Spite. Spite, Mm -hmm. So he's probably debating whether the pardon option or firing Mueller is is the better course to protect his own interests. I think he could do – I could see him doing either. But you're you're putting forth this model of Trump as as a rational decision maker who's weighing pros and cons. Self-interested, yeah. As we've talked, though, he's a reflex machine, right? Like, if this is, if the, I don't know. Do you think he puts that much thought into it, or do you think it's more of kind of a knee-jerk reaction from him? I think at this point, they have a giant whiteboard, and they're just making a flowchart of yeses and nos with all these decisions and seeing where they all lead. I, I, yeah, it, I would have to think his lawyers, uh, Ty Cobb and those guys, have said to him, Mr. President, you're in potential very serious legal jeopardy here. You could go to jail for obstruction of justice. I still think if Trump's going to get any trouble, it's not going to be Russia. I think that's that's difficult for it to rise all the way to the level of the president. But I think obstruction of justice is a very real possibility. So they have to be in his ear saying, Mr. President, you can you have to be thoughtful about doing this. So I don't know if that means he actually does it. But, but, yeah, that's what, feels yeah. what makes this what makes this so fun is that he's shown no evidence that he is able to listen to like the rational advisors in that are talking to him. When it would involves other people's lives. It, now we're talking about his own life. So I would hope mm. that there'd be a a bit more self awareness, but maybe not. It also depends whether there's anything there, right? So is there any real sense of collusion with Russia? We don't know. We're guessing. And there's nothing that's been revealed in the last couple days to make it clear one way or the other. But Trump knows. Trump knows whether there was any collusion with Russia. I don't know if he does. (laughs) I really don't know if he does. And that's the thing. Nick, he has a great memory. He remembers everything. One of the world's greatest. (laughs) Yes, yes. I I really don't know how much he actually knows at this point. And if he's going to be um, self-interested, mm-hmm. and it is in that context where he doesn't know that much about what went on around him, which I can kind of see happening, just let it go. Just let everybody let everyone else fall on the sword for you, which I, he's real good at. And usually that's what happens in a presidency. Everybody falls and protects the president. Mm-hmm. Uh that's a great question, Phil. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think he's do you think he's going to be restrained enough to keep himself out of jail? To keep Trump out of jail? Yeah. Will, will Trump restrain himself to not get himself in greater trouble with an obstruction of justice charge? I, I don't know that Trump will end up in jail, but I I have I I, I would bet all the money that I that belongs to me, which is not that much, <laughs> that he he will make this worse for himself sure. somehow along the way. I, I, he's just I think he. Because he is so self-interested, but you you pair that with his kind of paranoia and defensiveness and, you know, um, uh, whatever it is, self-consciousness, narcissism, whatever. And, and yeah, it's a it's a it's a deadly combination that will that will end up he will make it worse. 
And, and we've seen when the pressure builds on him, in those moments when he's feeling constrained, that's when he's the least rational, and he yep. lashes out, and he is the reflex machine. Mm-hmm. And I would have to think the weekend, Monday and Tuesday's news about the indictments, that's got to be just eating at him in a way that he's got to figure out a way to solve that. So there's going to be some re- – he's had a couple tweets, but there's going to be a bigger reflex. That- no collusion. <laughs> right. That was one of his tweets. Right. All caps. <laughs> so- he's using the caps a lot more. Yeah. He seems to be coming unhinged. <laughs> Let me ask one more question before we move on to Papadopoulos because I know you. you're excited, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Which is I, I, I thought the last couple of days about kind of reconstructing the, the timeline or the causality of all of this because to have – Manafort with all of these ties to Russia and to Russians and corruption and money laundering and all of that to have him end up as the campaign director of the Trump administration in the midst of, of a, an election in which Russia, you know, is, is meddling in, in U.S. politics to an extent they've never done before would be a tremendous coincidence. right? Yes. And so the causality question, the, the thing that I've that I, I, we don't know the answer to, but I'm kind of curious what, what you guys think. It, is it that man, does Manafort seek out? I don't know how he came to be the, the, the campaign director, but does Manafort seek out access to Trump because of these ties to, to Russia and, and his attempt to sort of influence things? Does Trump reach out to Manafort because of these connections and the idea that he could potentially, you know, be useful to the Trump campaign? Like, it is possible that it is just a coincidence, but that seems really unlikely, right? So who's, which direction is this coming from? Is it Manafort seeking to get involved in a presidential campaign because of these ties? Or is it the Trump campaign reaching out to him because of these ties? That's a great, does that make sense? It it does. And it could be, it could be a little bit of both in that sense that, uh, the weird thing about the Trump campaign, in some ways, the weird thing about this administration is there's such a thick layer of pro-Russia, and it's not all one source. So you have Carter Page, you have Jeff Sessions, you have Michael Flynn, you have Paul Manafort, all who have pro-Russian connections, but they're not the same pro-Russian connections. Mm-hmm. The thing I think about this is that it's it's possible that that Trump has some of these connections, that Flynn's on the, on the campaign, Roger Stone, who also has some Russian connections, is there, and I believe Paul Manafort was connected to the campaign through Roger Stone. So Manafort may have seen, like you said, that there were these Russian connections, that there's an opening, or it's possible that Russia reached out to That's Manafort. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, to say, hey, is this something you're interested in? Because we can't forget that the minute, not the minute, but as soon as Paul Manafort is brought on board, we have the Republican National Convention, and the policy positions of Republicans shift dramatically in a much more pro-Russian direction. Mm-hmm. Republicans have not been pro-Russia, but that campaign platform was much more pro-Russian. It was much, uh, the position on Ukraine shifted dramatically. So I don't know what the causal mechanism is. I'm guessing there's probably a lot there. Um, yeah, I, I mean... I, I think both of those are, are logical conclusions to come to. I do think you have to think about considering that there are disparate connections with the Russian government, uh, and there doesn't seem to be any causal nature or um, correlation between those specific connections. It seems, like you said, Phil, this is probably the uh, the boldest attempt to influence a U.S. election on the part of a foreign power that we've seen uh, from you know, at least a digital perspective um, and uh, just a monetary influence uh, perspective. I would think that 
regardless of the connections that they thought that they had within the U.S., uh, they they had this strategy in place. So I'm assuming they were putting as many hooks in the water as Russia. physically possible mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. throwing money at the problem. So if it turns out that they uh, these connections get caught uh, or you know get indicted, they don't care. They got the influence that they wanted, and realistically, there are no repercussions for them whatsoever. So. I, I don't know. Manafort and, and the rest of them don't seem like the smartest people on the planet either, considering, you know, how the the price of the rugs yeah. and suits that they were buying and, you know, not hiding the fact that they had three passports. Man- Manafort sounds like Rocky. When Rocky talks, Manafort, it's very similar. It's yes. like that, uh, that's not very valuable news. But <laughs> I, I, I can't wrap my head around all of the Russia that we've seen in terms of right. the influence in the campaign. So it's, I, I don't know. What do you think, Phil? Well, I don't... The, the slightly more innocent explanation is that Trump has, has played down a lot his connections to Russia. And, and I don't mean connections to Russia in the sense of getting Russia to to uh, infiltrate the, the election on his behalf. Um, but Trump has lots of connections to Russian businessmen and Russian oligarchs, and he's done business in Russia. And so... It, one sort of slightly more innocent explanation is that these people all run in the same social circles, yeah, right? Sure. How do they get hooked That's up? Well, point. they they're all you know Manafort's working with Russian oligarchs. Trump knows Russian oligarchs. Yeah. Uh, you know Mike Flynn is involved with Russian oligarchs, and so there are these connections that are made in that in that sense as well. And in that sense, it could be Russia, you know, sort of playing matchmaker in in a in a in a either a sort of direct or indirect way, um, which is slightly. What I, the reason I say it's slightly more innocent is because it, it it indicates less intent, but it's still problematic, right? It's still it's still a, an issue. Um, certain- yeah, I don't know. I mean, that, those are the questions that I that I you gotta you gotta think again that we are seeing a handful of puzzle pieces, yeah. and Mueller's got the whole jigsaw puzzle and he's putting it together, and you you have to assume that he knows much more. Either either you know. He's figuring out either that these connections are there and exist or that these people are corrupt, but they're not, you know, not in the way that uh, you know, not in a collusion sort of way. But but, yeah, we'll 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 learn over. It. It's going to be fun to oh, watch. This is and we've been waiting. Right. So we've been waiting for a long time for, you know, the story's been out there, Mueller, but we haven't really talked about it in a while because there's been nothing big. And then suddenly we have this bombshell. Um, can we Papadopoulos? Papadopoulos. Okay, thank you. Let's start with the question. So Papadopoulos, uh, everybody, when they when the story broke on Friday that there was going to be an indictment, there was a sense Manafort, Flynn, one of the two of them. Nobody saw Papadopoulos coming. Well, he was just the coffee guy, <laughs> a low level guy, uh, and the the plea deal that he had already agreed to was set in stone. Mm-hmm. The question I'm curious about is, is has this guy been wearing a wire? Because he's uh, the indi- he was arrested in June. Yep. The I'm trying. It was some, guilty October fifth, I think. So there are months there where after the arrest, uh, they don't release the arrest, uh, and the actual the the deal isn't until October. What what is Papadopoulos doing for those inter- intervening months? And and for the the past three weeks or whatever since the, like, he pled guilty the beginning of this month and nothing was released or said. He, he's absolutely cooperating. Yeah. If you read the, the indictment and the plea deal, it talks, the language that it uses 
is the language of someone who is um, getting a deal because they are working with and, and the language of why the indictment and the plea shouldn't be released talks about how it would work against the the ability to, to gather information. I've got it right here, Phil. Yeah, yeah so it, uh, <laughs> premature disclosure of the fact of the defendant's arrest and the nature of the charges against him is likely to substantially prejudice both the defendant and the government. Defendant has indicated, indicated that he's willing to cooperate with the government in its ongoing investigation into Russian efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. Uh, election. Public disco- disclosure of the defendant's initial appearance, however, would significantly undermine his ability to serve as a proactive cooperator. Proactive, huh? Yes. So it's not just that he's cooperating. He's a proactive cooperator. <laughs> That's got to mean wire or conversations because he is facing, what was it, zero to six months? I mean, basically, it's like a probation. It's nothing. It's yeah. nothing. Manafort is looking at decades in jail for his charges. There's no way that somebody who lies to a federal agent, a Papadopoulos lied to the federal government, gets off with zero to six months unless he gives Manafort, I'm sorry, not Manafort, uh, Mueller, something of consequence. So there has to have been a conversation. There has to, whether there's a wire or not, yes, there's, he he provided value to this investigation. Mm Mm-hmm. The, the the people that I have, you know, who have written about it. So th- this isn't a, I think this story is fascinating because it's not it, it is under the radar in in terms of like uh, in, in comparison to the to the Manafort story, at least. But it is potentially the more interesting yes. story because of this. And, and the legal scholars that I have seen talk about it, talk about it as, as if there is no doubt that he has been wearing a wire potentially as far back as June. Yes. Right. So this is this is. What June, July, August, September, October, five, five months of wearing a wire. And, and he's not while well, the Trump administration makes has tried to claim that he's a nobody. Right. Low level um, guy. Coffee guy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. He, he was not, you know, he's not Manafort high level, but he was not a, a nobody. Right. Well, he, he was a he foreign was doing, policy advisor. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and which and, and has con- has apparently had continued contact with people in the Trump administration. So when you start to put that together, that he has he is a proactively working with the Mueller investigation, continuing to talk with people in the Trump administration. If I were in the Trump administration, the Manafort story would scare me. The Papadopoulos story would terrify yes. me. Mm-hmm. We should point out to the listeners that what Papadopoulos was up to was that he was emailing a contact in uh what? Facebook messengering. Wasn't it wasn't it wasn't actually emails? Oh, it was on Facebook Messenger. You're kidding this me. Is, this is why I say it's an unfair fight, right? Mueller is gonna <laughs> Wait, tear these people apart. Pa- so Papadopoulos was doing I just assumed they were all emails. They were showing the correspondence back and forth. Okay, so I, he's Facebook messengering messengering uh contacts in Russia about potentially setting up a meeting or contacts between Trump and potentially Putin. Specifically there was the mention that they had dirt on Hillary Clinton. And emails in those correspond in the correspondence back and forth, they said they had dirty emails on Hillary Clinton before any of the WikiLeaks stuff had been released. So the question of how much the Trump administration knew, this is potentially devastating, both for somebody like Clovis, who is uh, Papadopoulos' uh, advisor above him, but also for somebody like Jeff Sessions, who is, has been seen in pictures sitting in, in meetings when this information was shared. 
and and who has testified before Congress that he was unaware or uninvolved in all of this stuff. Yeah, very very possible that this is, that there's clear evidence that that Sessions committed perjury in his in some of his hearings. Oh boy. Yeah, so Sessions could be in trouble. Apparently, Mueller uh, brought Clovis in front of the grand jury recently, last couple of days for a long session. So it's it's it. We might see a tumbling of yeah, indictment. It seems to be speeding up. Yeah. It, and to, to kind of put this in perspective, the, the, I, the thing that that helps me think about how big this is, is, um, again, somebody who is really smart would, would be careful on phone calls or in conversations about, you know, their connections to Russia. So him wearing a wire doesn't necessarily mean that they get information. Right. But then this week, the, the the part that I sort of pair with that to understand this was Carter Page's interview on oh. MSNBC or whatever with uh, Chris Hayes. Chris Hayes? That's his name? Yes, yeah. Um, in which he went on and openly on air said that he was in, or uh, Chris Hayes asked him whether he was on these email exchanges with Papadopoulos. And uh, Carter Page said yes. And then uh, Chris Hayes asks him if they were about Russia, and and Carter Page says, "Yeah, some of them." So I mean, like the idea that yes. the, that these people that, that the Trump people would be smart enough not to say stuff is contradicted by the fact that they go on national TV and say stuff. So when you combine that kind of level uh, or that lack of awareness with the idea that that the that the Mueller people have been listening in on phone calls for four months, yeah. He, he's got to have some just devastating information. And to your earlier point, in terms of which one is bigger, I think Manafort is a bigger story because he was the campaign chairman. And we're talking about massive crimes here. Papadopoulos lying to a federal agent. It's a big deal, but it's not of the same grandeur. For But its impact on the administration, Papadopoulos has to be sending waves through the administration of panic because if let's just say that Papadopoulos has been talking to Clovis Sessions, other people, they're now worrying, was I talking to somebody who was wearing a wire? It's also possible that Mueller has turned other individuals. I think Mueller is very strategic about how he's handling this. He's not going to reveal something unless he's got the information he needs at a certain stage. So it's possible he's. we've got other plea deals, other conversations. So as dysfunctional as the Trump administration was, if yeah. there is something there, if there is some criminal activity, it's just going to start eating at each other. Um, yeah, it can get much, much worse. Well, I, I mean, <clears throat> the other aspect of this is if that was still going on over the past four months and there are recordings of it, they knew the investigation was going on. Oh, what right. the fuck were they thinking? They're, they're stupid, Nick. Well, I, just, <laughs> yes. I just don't. I mean, like you said, Phil, just the complete lack of, of awareness on, on the part of any of these people seems mind-boggling it really isn't fair when you think about how detailed how professional and all of the experts that Mueller has amassed on his team and the bunch of rinky-dink nincompoops that are running around (laughs) trying to defend Trump I think he finally has some decent legal counsel but no this is gonna this is not a fair fight and if there is any kind of evidence against the Trump administration it will certainly come out and and again that to to go back to talking about coincidences it's not coincidental that both of those stories come out at the same time, right. the, the Manafort indictments and suddenly this little story also about how uh, Papadopoulos has probably been wearing a wire. So yes. yep. you're in the Trump administration and you see how heavy he goes after Manafort and pair it with the just the the notion introduced into things that you don't know who's listening in on what. Right. And that that would 
I mean, that would wreak havoc on uh, sort of a well-oiled, <clears throat> yeah. you know, a, a, a well-trained um, administration. And and this, uh, an administration that already, there have been stories about how they don't trust each other. And yeah, they're, it's, not, they're not disciplined. Right. This is going to not, this is not going to get better. I think it's right. Trump and the whole administration is not well prepared to handle this. It may not get better, but... Uh, Again, the question that we kind of regularly ask, does this actually touch Trump at some point? It right. may not. It, it, it's entirely possible that it reaches certain levels but doesn't get to Trump. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't see it happening. But I, I, I think you you talked about at the beginning, Nick, that you went for a long time feeling like nobody was actually going to go to jail for this. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that has turned you know, really quickly. And we were talking before we came on that – uh, Steve Sademan, who's a political scientist in, in Canada, was was tweeting about uh, that out of Watergate, there were, I think, 69 um, criminal indictments and 40 some odd people went to jail. And he was speculating. He was he I think his tweet was something about how he'll take the over. Oh. Right. That, and, <laughs> and it feels to like this week, it feels like a lot of people are going to go to jail now, the, whether or not, you know, how high that whether this investigation goes from Manafort outward right into sort of other people that he's linked with or whether it goes upward to people above him and to Trump is yet to be seen. But I think. What this week says is that a lot of uh, there's it's there's going to be a lot of repercussions. A lot of people are going to jail. It's just yet to be seen who those people are. I think it's still the odds are not great that Trump is one of those individuals. I think the odds of Jared Kushner, Donald Trump Jr. have gone up dramatically because they were very involved in the campaign, Mm -hmm. very involved in these decisions, hanging out with Manafort a lot. I think the if if I'm that group, I'm extremely panicked. And Donald Trump will be panicked because of that. So, Gotta yeah. get those passports ready. That's right. Yeah. Oh, this is so interesting. I, this is going to be a fun fun conversation for weeks. Um, <laughs> should we talk beers? Yes, please. Philip, what are you drinking? Philip is taking a sip Sorry, right I'm now. taking a sip. So my first beer tonight was um, uh, Harpoon. Oh, boy. I'm spilling it. My beer is overflowing. Hold on. Hey. Don't, don't um, spill on the microphone. <laughs> my first... My first beer was a Harpoon Oktoberfest. So Harpoon is a is a brewery up here. I don't I don't know if y'all if you guys are familiar with that or not. Uh, it's a northeastern thing, Massachusetts and Vermont. Um, and I, I like a lot of the, their beers. And the Oktoberfest um, is of course a, you know a seasonal beer, and it was it was good. Uh, it was you know malty. It was it was pretty. It was more of like a red beer, more more along those lines than what I typically think of as Oktoberfest. Um, it was it was fine. I would drink it again. I I won't like think a lot about it it's not like oh i'm going to buy more of that but uh the second one that i'm just starting on is a brooklyn uh brewery winter lager um and i've only had like two tastes of that but i it, it, it's um that's nice as well i like lagers a lot i like sort of lighter not super heavy beers but that one's got some substance to it it's got a nice flavor it's more it doesn't taste you know weak or watered down it's it's good good all right, I had I did went with some Colorado beers this week. So I started with a drum roll American Pale Ale from Odell Brewing, which is out of Fort Collins, Colorado. A uh, it was it was really good. It was uh, uh, hoppy, and they describe it as juicy and hop forward with a citrus inspired rhythm. Uh, I don't know what any of that okay. means, Nick, but it was a it was a delicious beer. I enjoyed how, how it. Does a, how does a beer have rhythm? 
uh, I don't know. Maybe I have more rhythm after drinking it. I'm not sure, but that, uh, that is false. <laughs> That's false. <laughs> but it was a tasty beer. Uh, I'm not sure on the distinction between an American pale ale and an IPA. This was sort of not as hoppy as a traditional IPA, but uh, very drinkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second beer that I just started is uh, Los Locos, uh, which is a Mexican style lager, and that beer is also uh, out of De- it's out of Denver, Colorado, out of Epic Brewing Company. This, I'm really enjoying this. It is a, it feels like a summery beer. It has that little hint of lime in it. Also says it has sea salt added, which Ooh. I can't taste, but that's got to be good for you, right? That's the good sure. kind of salt. Salt's so, always good for you. Yeah, so Los Locos. <laughs> I've never I've never had uh, an epic brew, epic beer before, so uh, I'm enjoying it. Nick? Um, <clears throat> I had a, uh, a Southside Pride. It's just beer. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't give you a, a type. Um, from Botterbrow, which is out of Chicago. Um, had to do it. I am from the south side of Chicago. Uh, and it looks very south side. It's black and white, white socks, um, with the kind of funky 70s writing. And the south side of Chicago has never really escaped the 70s. So there's that. Um, uh, also, like the south side, it tastes very much like old style. Um, so uh, kind of... Um, That's a good thing, right? Yeah, kind of, kind of old style and um, stale peanuts. Uh, a, a, good, uh, a good baseball type beer. Mm. Um, I'm assuming it's uh, significantly more expensive than an old style, though. So I might just stick with an old style instead. <laughs> if I'm Second one I had was uh, from Epic as well. Uh, it was a, uh, Escape to Colorado uh, IPA. Okay, kind of a fairly standard IPA. Little heavier with almost a like a sweetness to it. Mm. Um, almost chewy. 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 <laughs> chewy. <laughs> I got rhythm and you're chewy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's. It's kind of there. Like I said, we've done so many IPAs at this point. It's um, it's it's kind of in the middle of the pack. Um, yeah, I would drink it again if it's in front of me, like everything that's put <clears throat> in front of me. But uh, probably wouldn't go seek it out. So, all if right. you're interested in these beers, because we gave them all such uh, glowing uh, reviews, uh, you can find them on uh, the Untapped app. Uh, we're Barstool Politics on there. Uh, we rate them, and you guys can you know put them in your own little library of things. Uh, also, send us suggestions on there, uh, or to our email, or Facebook, or Twitter as well. Absolutely. Time for the speed round? Yay. Speed round! All right. All right, so topic number one. So we are taping on Wednesday, and uh, on Tuesday there was a, an attack in New York City. I'm sure everybody knows about this, where an individual from, he was from Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan, right? Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan. Yes. Yep. Uh, rented a vehicle from Home Depot and drove it down uh, lower Manhattan and killed, I think the number was eight. Eight, eight people. And injured many more. Uh, it appears that this is now the t- he claimed that he had some connections with ISIS that hasn't been verified, but he left a note to that effect. It does appear that now ISIS is shifting tactics and using this type of uh, using vehicles to attack uh, civilians. Uh, so I guess I guess the reaction is, is how you know what are we thinking? How do we respond to this? What's uh, what are the interesting storylines here? Uh, extreme vetting, uh, yes, and we're getting rid of all lottery systems and we're building a wall around right. the entire country. <laughs> so, so Donald Trump, which we apparently ha- already have extreme vetting, said he's going to ramp up extreme vetting. It's going to be even more extreme, though. So, Phil, that might mean you have to go too. I know, I know. Probably <laughs> does mean I have to go. Um, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, there's lots of there's lots of interesting storylines to this. Um, uh, what, so my impression from some of the headlines I saw this afternoon was that the connection to ISIS actually has been fairly well established on this one. So d- despite okay. other times where ISIS claimed stuff or someone was inspired, my, my impression at least was that I, ISIS was actually involved in the planning of this okay. one, it, which is more direct involvement than they've had at other times. And... and um, that in and of itself is interesting. There have been people who I who, who are more terrorist experts than me who who talk about this as a sign of ISIS's weakness more than their strength. Mm-hmm. So they're not focused on establishing their uh, you know their their um, uh, whatever Tal- homeland Calvary, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, this is more kind of a, a lashing out, right? That they're they're more desperate. I think one of the storylines is the extent to which I mean, we even talked about how how we we needed to talk about this story, but none of us were particularly excited yeah. about talking about it. I think one of the stories is the 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 real shift in in the way that we react to and respond to these sorts of of attacks in in America. It seems like it has become somewhat normalized. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't know if that is. It, it's not good, but I mean, we're learning to live in a world that that operates like this. Um, I don't know. That's kind of one of the interesting storylines to me. I think that's right to say that. Well, a couple things. So an earlier point of view is that we're seeing, so ISIS has been losing territory, and we've been talking about that in Iraq. So it's it's not surprising that their tactics are shifting, and I think it's probably expected that we're going to see more attacks like this. If they no longer have the homeland to defend and focus their attention on, it's likely they will transform into a more traditional terrorist, asymmetrical group carrying out these more conventional attacks. Uh, and also, I think it suggests that the U.S. government and, and countries around the world are doing a better job of protect, protecting normal facilities that would be attacked. So whether we're talking about bridges or monuments, that those are no longer major targets. That now ISIS is thinking about using vehicles to just go after the public. Another thing that struck me, and this is a bit, a bit of a tangent, the Las Vegas shooter, when that happened, uh, the media in general was so reluctant to use the word terrorism. Yep. And I was I was surprised, given how close that was, that wasn't long ago, how quickly the media quickly started using the word terrorism in this case. And I think both are arguably cases of terrorism. But that there's that distinction that when this is violence is committed by an American citizen, it's something distinct from when it is committed by somebody, a Muslim from another country. Uh, so there, that, that sort of struck me as well. Yeah. Uh, and not, not politicians, which I expect to politicize rhetoric. But from the media, which seems to have accepted this narrative, well, if a white man does something, a white American citizen, it's distinct from when a Muslim does something. Well, I mean, de Blasio was very, very quick to come out and say that this was most likely an act of terrorism. Yeah. There, I mean, there there were witnesses. He was screaming, Allahu Akbar. Yeah. You know, there was a note in the car. It, was, it had all the hallmarks of that. So I don't necessarily know if it's a fair assumption to, you know, make that, that kind of comparison between the two events. Um, yeah, I, I think in some situations you're absolutely right, just not this particular one. The, the <coughs> you're wrong, Bill. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I, w- I think is, uh, so they asked Donald Trump today, somebody asked him, would he consider sending this individual who committed the crime uh, to Guantanamo Bay? And he said, I would I would consider that. Uh, send him to Gitmo? I would, I would consider that, yes. <laughs> so, which brings up all sorts of interesting legal questions. I can't imagine this would happen. Uh, but the fact that he so quickly goes to that, yes, let's send him to Guantanamo Bay, 
and talks about extreme vetting. So this idea, it's a, again, to go back to the Las Vegas, the last time the Trump administration was arguing we need time to not politicize things, but less than 24 hours, we've already politicized right. it in a number of different ways. Yeah, well, that was not great. Yeah. This also, are, are we out of time? No. Or we have have 25 seconds. Okay, the other thing that, that kind of uh, fits into a bigger story, that or, uh, kind of a bigger theme that we've talked about over the past couple of months, is, is the way in which we as Americans take events and, and use them to back up our our preconceived notions and this is a perfect example because if you are a fan of the travel ban what this tells you is the travel ban needs to be extended right this is not this guy comes from a country that was not listed on the travel ban he's been in the country for 10 years or something but what this shows is that we haven't gone far enough if you're an opponent of the travel ban, what this says is the travel ban is stupid, right? This this travel ban wouldn't have prevented him from coming here. He's not on the list. He's been here for 10 years. We need to be concerned with domestic, you know, influ- people who are domestic, who are living here already, who are influenced. And so I, this is the sort of story that in, in all of its tragedy and all of its relevance, um, people are going to use to just kind of further perpetuate their already preconceived notions about the world. I'm, I'm right. glad that you agree with the extreme vetting that we're, <laughs> that we're going to put in place. <laughs> One quick thing before we jump to the next topic. They also asked Trump what he thought about this uh, diversity, diversity lottery program. Uh, and he said, uh, it sounds nice, he added, with the, he added, but it's not nice. It's not good. It's not good. We've been against it. <laughs> so, so how hard would it be to sell Donald Trump on the value of a diversity program? That's almost impossible, right? Yeah, it's not even worth yeah, talking didn't, about. Yeah, no matter what it was in, yeah. <laughs> All right, topic number two. I think this is also an interesting one. Uh, John Kelly this week went on the Laura Ingram show and was asked about the Civil War. And so he was talking about the Civil War. And he said, and I'm going to read you this quote uh, from John Kelly. I would tell you that Robert E. Lee was an honorable man. He was a man that gave his country up to fight for his state, which 150 years ago was more important than country. It's always loyalty to state first back back in those days. Now it's different. But the lack of an ability to compromise led to the Civil War. And men and women of good faith on both sides made their stand where their conscience had them make their stand. So a couple things here. One, uh, you know, there's this idea of talking about Robert Lee as an honorable man. He's emphasizing states' rights. Uh, he suggests that the reason the Civil War occurred is because there was there was no ability to compromise uh, and that there are good, again, to use the Donald Trump phrase, that there are good people on both sides of the Civil War. Uh, this caused historians to lose their minds. But I think to fill the point you just made, it also reinforced these narratives about, you know, do you like monuments? Do you not like monuments? And this was this was him sidling up to Donald Trump on, on the culture wars. Yeah. Give me more, Phil. <laughs> so many things to say. Like, I've, I got to figure out which direction to go. There's two very different directions. Oh, well, there's more than two, but there's two directions I want to go. One of which is to point out, um, regardless of what you think of the Civil War, um, it it uh, you know this is it's weird to me that this is a controversial statement, but it, but it was about slavery. Um, the the weird thing to me is that, that this notion that it was a lack of compromise that led to it is is what I think is really driving historians yeah. crazy. Because if you look at the first hundred hundred to 150 years of American history, it was about just that, about compromise on slavery. This right. goes back to the Constitution and creating, you know, this, this statement about three fifths, that slaves count as three fifths of a, of a person and counting stuff. You had 
you know, these, the, you know, Henry Clay, you had, you know, Mason Dixon line, you had all of these, like all of these attempts to compromise. Adding, to adding slave to, states, Missouri, right? So you add a slave state, you add a free state that all of this was based on a compromise. In an attempt to prevent this from, yeah. from happening. So the notion that, that a failure to compromise is what created this is great is to me crazy <laughs> the other part the other totally different direction and and then you two can respond to whichever of these two you want to the other <laughs> the other side of this is is the extent to which any notion that kelly is going to be uh, this rational person in the room keeping trump in line is i i was skeptical of that from the beginning because he when he was dhs department of homeland security he said some crazy stuff um, but that's out the window because it wasn't just the Civil War stuff. He also called for an end to the Mueller probe. He um, talked about the Papadopoulos stuff. And and the strong way to say it is that he lied about it. The weaker way of saying it is that he, he misstated facts about <laughs> yeah. the links to Papadopoulos. So any notion of him as like this unbiased keep keep Trump in line is is it if it's not gone, you, you have to be questioning that. Yeah. Nicholas. I hate these ones. No, oh. <laughs> um, I will say, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, actually, I, I was going to say, Phil, you've you've changed my thinking at least partially on on this topic, and I, I've I've softened a little bit on it. Um, I don't necessarily agree with the point that they're. I think the vast majority of the causes of the Civil War were were related to slavery in some capacity. I don't necessarily think that everyone who was involved in the Civil War was fighting because of slavery. Um, so that's the point I want to make about that. Um, yeah, I, I, I with statements like that, I shut the fuck up. Like, it, it, there's there's just no reason at this point. John Kelly. Yeah, yeah. just just don't. Like, it, there are so many other things going on, and to just pile something so needless on top of everything else when you're supposed to be and again we'll we'll get to the other point you're supposed to be this stalwart kind of you know organized figure within an organization or an administration that's pretty much in chaos it's just so unnecessary and it just paints such a bad like you know what the repercussions are going to be and regardless of what you think that's going to do with the base or anyone else that you think will support your stand uh, your your position which there are a lot of people that do. It's just completely unnecessary at this point. So Kelly's done a lot of damage to his reputation in the last month. Uh, and you're right, Phil, that he was the adult in the room. It was Mattis, Tillerson, McMaster, and Ryan. Uh, or, I'm sorry, Kelly. Uh, and, they, they, and the other thing is that they keep calling him general. And there's been some pushback on Twitter to say we should no longer call this guy general. He's the chief of staff. He's a political actor. He's a civilian. Right. Uh, and so th- that that's an important distinction to make, especially when you talk about these highest levels of governance. Now, I, I, I think he's done – we've seen a lot of – terrible falls from grace within the Trump administration. And this maybe isn't the worst one. I think that's still going to be Scaramucci. But this has got to be up there in terms of undermining one's credibility in a, in a relatively short period of time. There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's bizarre to me that, that uh, you know, 150 years later, we we talk about – to talk about, like, the the – the events of the day in the civil war and to talk about, you know, compromise and, and why this happened is one thing, but to 150 years later be talking about how we should have compromised over, or there should have been more compromise over human bondage is kind of mind boggling to me that we, you know, we, we could talk about how people viewed it then, but to still be sort of arguing that what, what should have happened is that we should have like made a deal about how 
many or how long people can be enslaved is really bizarre to me. It is. And so Sarah Huckabee Sanders at a press conference yesterday or the day before when was asked about this and went on and in her usual way defended John Kelly. And in the process, she referenced Ken Burns, who's done this amazing documentary on the Civil War. Uh, Ken Burns tweeted a response saying, many factors contributed to the Civil War. One caused it, slavery. <laughs> you know, which was sort of sort of ending that debate to say that. No, this is this is really about slavery. And and how we tell the story changes, right? So the Civil War was one thing, but how we tell that history is a living thing. And I see I think that's what we're seeing here today, too. Mm. Yeah. All right, next topic. There's a good compromise in that discussion. There was, yes, <laughs> yes. All right. So this week, uh, Facebook uh, came clean and released some of the numbers of groups that were Russian-based groups that were allowed to not infiltrate because they were openly uh, allowed on the network. But Facebook groups posted more than 80,000 times on Facebook, reaching as many 126 million U.S. users. And that figure just astonishes me. Uh, And we need to remember that uh, Russia was using Facebook to sow discord. Their intent was to anger people in a whole variety of different groups. Uh, Additionally, there were 131,000 messages sent on Twitter, over 1,000 videos posted on YouTube. Well, Facebook originally said that only about 10 uh, 10 million users had been affected by that. 126 million people saw these ads. Yeah. More than a third of Americans. Right. Mm -hmm. And you think about the way in which, I guess I had thought about this to say that Russia had, you know, they were out there, but I didn't realize the extent of the influence, the reality that most Americans probably saw some ad, and it was likely targeted to their political inclinations. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, this is stunning. Well, what's interesting, I I saw um, Politico or somebody, I forget who it was today, had an article in which they uh, posted a a bunch of examples of the ads that were that were bought. And and I guess I knew this, but it was interesting to see the ways in which it, it it did not discriminate. So there were there were um, uh, ads that were targeted that were essentially supportive of Black Lives Matter. There were ads that were targeted that were incredibly critical of Black Lives Matter. Yes. Right? It was the intent was not you know just to sort of you know ra- rally conservatives. It was like you said, Bill, to just to to divide Americans yes. against each other. Um, apparently, pretty effectively, mm-hmm. and, and we lose. We lose that storyline when we think about the way in which the Trump administration was connected, because then it becomes about the Trump administration. Oh, what was going on? Was there collusion? Who do we hold accountable within the Trump administration? But in some ways, the bigger story is that this had to be a dramatic impact, not only on the election, but on American society, because this the, the election is played out continuing to divide the, the country. So this is and this is not likely to go away. No. No, Nick. No. All right. Here, here's the thing. Yeah. So Facebook has been around. I remember signing up for Facebook in 2004 when it was in its infancy in my dorm room wow. over during my freshman Back year when, of college. When only college kids could get on. When only <laughs> right. co- which was awesome, by the way. Yep. Um, and it was, you know, there wasn't really anything. I, my, my point with this is Facebook is not a legitimate source of information. It's for people to post cat pictures and <laughs> GIFs and Trump memes and, you know, about how they broke up with their boyfriend or yeah. something like that. This is not a legitimate news source that you should be paying attention to. Moreover, after all of this has been said and done, we know exactly 
what this stuff looks like, how it operates, how they target people. Everything is marked with a sponsored post on it or something like that. It's fairly obvious to pick out different components or, or different things that look wrong in, in, in posts and, you know, um, what's the word? Profiles that are, are clearly fake and, you know, have one friend and have like 5,000 posts or something like that. It is on us yeah. as a as a, a society and a civilization at this point to not be fucking idiots with this. <laughs> you're asking it, you're, a lot. It's a social, too much. It's a social media platform. You are not a, a a media company, a news outlet. You're not a you're not even a single journalist. This is not something that you should be getting your daily information from. So I put the onus on on society. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I um I totally agree with you, Nick. Um, but I also think you're you're preaching to the choir a little bit, and that I imagine sure. that the types of people who listen to an hour and fifteen minute long <laughs> politics podcast Agreed. are are probably a little more discriminating in in sort of what. But I I also wonder if if we're not uh if we're I was going to say not giving people enough credit, maybe we're giving them too much credit. I'm not sure exactly how how Either this works, but bad. but. There's there's a lot of stuff that shows even people who are smart and educated uh, like are susceptible to this stuff. Like the, one of the other things that I thought was interesting in that whatever that ad, whatever that story was that had these sample um, uh, ads, it, it also showed who was targeted. So it had the ad, but it also had like who the how much money was spent on the ad and like which sorts of people were were targeted. And I yeah, I would like to think that that if we were smart and critical we would catch these things but i also think that uh i don't know it's like human nature to want to you know to to want to see stuff that confirms your beliefs sure, yeah, absolutely I think we're, um yeah i don't i don't know how to i i totally agree with you i think it's awful for political and you know civic discourse but i don't know what we can do about it though well, I, I don't either but here's the thing take a breath take a step back go what the fuck am i looking at this on and go okay it's a social media platform that has no journalistic credentials or or um, cachet, yeah. and go okay. Well, maybe I'll just not do that so much anymore. Even just do a Google search. Just yeah. do a Google search. Yeah. Just yeah. one. You probably yeah. do ten a day, anyways. Gentlemen, yeah. I have good news. Facebook has promised that they are determined to never let this happen again. So they hired four thousand okay. people. We're okay. <laughs> I know we're out of time, but I, it's worth. I, I think I, I, I want to point out that one of the interesting contrasts is that Facebook continues to play down the influence of this, right? That it right. wasn't yes. that big of a deal, um, which goes totally against everything else. Which is, you know, as we know, because we're on Facebook and we get Facebook trying to market, trying to convince us to sell ad, to buy ads. Facebook makes claims that. They, they sell however many millions, billions of dollars of advertising every year based on the idea that this is damn effective. Yes. So you can't you can't sell, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of ads arguing that targeted ads is inc are incredibly effective and then turn around and say, but the targeted ads we sold to Russia didn't do anything. <laughs> well, right. You can't I, yeah. have your cake and eat it, too. No, I agree. It's one thing, though, if you're, you know, targeting people to sell shoes and another if you're targeting people to sow discontent because it doesn't align with their political views. What, what, I, what I want to know is we put in a solid $10 ad in Facebook. <laughs> How come the Russian bots didn't help us, right? I mean, it's true. We, I, this makes me wonder whether this is truth. Because... We have to spread it out. We have to sow discontent within the <laughs> right. podcasting community. Yes. We have to break down all the other podcasts. 
Oh, all right. Our, our next story. I'm going to need some help introducing this because right. it's such a it's such a hard one. We're going to talk about the Uranium One story, which is in some ways a story, and in other ways, it's it's not a story. It's a fake story. So, the Uranium One story. And I will have to admit that like this keeps coming up, and it's been brought up recently by the Trump administration, then it has been cycling on Fox News, was the idea that there was this Canadian firm uh, which had access to U.S. uranium mining rights, and that a Russian firm bought a majority share within that company, which meant that they could have access to the uranium mining facilities in the United States. This happened during the Obama administration. There is an organization that is in charge of evaluating whether or not this is proper procedure. That organization said this is totally fine. And then the president of the United States has the right to veto that, reviewed it, and did not. The allegation that has been out on the right-wing media is that Hillary Clinton uh, basically uh, okayed all of this, was very much involved in the decision because she was being funneled big cash uh, through the Clinton Foundation. $500,000 for a speaking engagement, I yes, think. Yes, yes. Now, the reality is that Hillary Clinton was not involved in the decision at all, uh, and the uranium can't even leave the United States. So it has to stay here. Uh, but they keep throwing this figure out that 20% uh, 20% of uh, U.S. uranium is now under Russian control, which when you hear that, sounds like that's a real story that I should be worried about. And there have been a number of times when I hear this and I say, i, I got to read more about this. And so part of me is frustrated, but I also realize the brilliance of this in the sense that Donald Trump has, has distracted me from reading other things because of this story. Uh, but if you turn on Fox News right now, this is still not only a, a major story, but a cause. It's the story. Yeah, it's a cause for investigation. And I believe the Congress is potentially looking into this. Um, so I don't know. I feel like we should talk about it, but I don't know how we talk about it. And I'm still confused, Nick. I, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, I, obviously, I think it's blown completely out of proportion. But I also think that it's in some part of your mind, you have to think if Russia is as nefariously attempting to influence it, influence um political viewpoints yeah. and stances and I, I would assume institutions and people that you wouldn't necessarily trust their motives or at least a, a an organization or institution that is working on uh, behalf or that is related to in some capacity related to the, the, the Russian government. I, that doesn't sit well with me. I, I Regardless of who's sure. responsible for it, that does not sit well with me. So, I, yeah, yeah, I don't necessarily think Hillary Clinton is the mastermind of some... Right bizarre conspiracy yeah. not this particular yeah. conspiracy <laughs> several other conspiracies <laughs> yes though but you're angry about the decision yes separate from any sense of uh, conspiracy correct yeah so i mean there, there's different elements of the story that you could talk about whether the sale should have happened um i don't know the the story with the speaking fees or, or i don't i don't know what that story so, is but you yeah that was related she was supposed to be meeting with members of the Russian government, I believe, to help them establish what would be the Russian equivalent to Silicon Valley in Russia. And then they all of a sudden paid her $500,000 for a speaking engagement right after that, which was also in conjunction with this Uranium One deal. <laughs> which is, so, the, that's why Trump is talking about the real collusion story with Russia is Hillary. <laughs> so so you could, there can be a debate about whether it was a bad idea or whether it's you know unethical or whatever for Hillary Clinton or the Clinton Foundation to accept this. But 
the the facts are clear that Hillary Clinton, the, the, this it wasn't that she worked this decision based on that, right? So even if she shouldn't have taken the money, you know, this is a nine-person panel that makes this decision. Hillary Clinton doesn't make this decision. Hillary Clinton doesn't get the money from the sale of the company. The Canadian company does. The, the group that approved this said that they would approve it again if it came before them yes, now. Yes. So. So all of this stuff says, you know, we could talk about whether Hillary should have taken the the speaking fee money or whatever. But the idea that she is corrupt and that she took this money and arranged this is is just not it just doesn't line up with the the facts. Um, the, the, the bizarre thing, I mean, this is where Fox News becomes the Facebook of media, right? Yeah. Like it, it they should they, they, there should be more. I don't know. I mean, just, we, we've talked about media in general. There are yeah. issues across the media, but but um, yeah, Fox News. The, this idea of like creating stories that further their goals, as opposed to actually sort of reporting on stuff, is is incredibly disheartening. There was so this is from Tucker Carlson, and he said, "Why did Hillary's office and the Obama administration sign off on giving the Russians a fifth of our uranium? Why is that a good idea? Idea to give a hostile power twenty percent of our uranium? It's insane." Which that is insane. If we were giving uranium to Russia, I would be upset, right? So, but there's so many. It's it's just such it's convoluted in terms of the story. But I get why. Who has time to read all the details of this story? So it's very very effective. Well, I I mean, regard it's if there is something to this, it's being completely just pushed to the side by all this other nonsense. There could actually be something here. If, you know, there is some sort of, again, nefarious conspiracy on the part of the Russians, necessarily, that we don't necessarily know about and the government doesn't know about, but the deal seemed good at the time, again, that is worrisome to me. I don't necessarily care who was, you know, party to actually making the decision. I care about what the result of this is. You care about a uranium. That's good. I do care about our uranium. It's very important to me. Who has time to do all the research and read yeah. this and, and whatnot? That's what the media is supposed to do. That's what Fox News is supposed to be doing, right? They're doing the exact opposite. Yeah. They're supposed to be researching and presenting the facts. And if they want to do that from a conservative angle, that's one thing. But they're not even engaging in facts. They are creating stories that line up with their agenda with essentially disregard for the actual facts. That's that's the insane part. That is you... your opinion. I strongly support <laughs> yes, that's true. Fox News. That's true. And when you put it in the context of all the other events that are occurring against the Trump administration right now, it becomes a little bit more troubling. All right, our, our final story, and we don't have to go the full full five minutes on this, but I just wanted to talk about crying Nazis. Um, <laughs> so let me give the listeners a little bit of background here. Christopher Cant, uh, Cantwell, who is from, where is he from, Phil? He's from Keene, New Hampshire. Oh! <laughs> who is Proud a, local boy. Yes. A self-professed white nationalist uh, who was arrested in the days after the violent demonstrations in Charlottesville. Uh, you probably remember him from this Vice News documentary that was all over the place and everybody was watching it. Um, after the rally, he was charged with one count of malicious bodily injury by means of a caustic substance. I don't know what that means. And two felony counts of illegal use of tear gas. Now, who hasn't illegally used tear gas, Nick? I mean, I know I have. Yeah. Almost so. on a daily basis. <laughs> all right. So he was arrested. Yeah, throw it at all the snowflakes. <laughs> And so when he learned that he was going to soon be arrested, he went back on the Internet thinking about what he'd done, and he started crying. So he was dubbed the crying Nazi. Now, he has since been arrested, and he's sitting in a jail in Charlottesville, and now he's using his time to have a radio show. 
So he is allowed phone calls, and on those phone calls, he calls into other radio shows and his own radio show. Uh, and the prison says, well, he's allowed to make phone calls. He's not actually doing a podcast from the cell, but, you know, we can't do anything about this. Now, uh, some of his recordings have very uh, troubling names. Uh, he named one Letters from a Charlottesville Jail, a take on Martin Luther King's uh, famous letter from a Birmingham jail. Did he mean that, though? I think he did. Um, okay. So I guess here's here's the question. You know, in some ways it does relate to to free speech and First Amendment rights. Does does this guy have the right? Does a crying Nazi have the right to podcast from jail? Well, he's not actually podcasting. He's but, just he's on the phone. Well, yeah, it's it, what we're doing is only close to podcasting, Nick. <laughs> 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 Phil, what do you think? Is this a story or is this just? Am I just happy because the Nazi is crying? Uh, both things can be true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, I tend to, when, when you co- when you commit a crime, you lose some of your rights, right? Yeah. But you don't lose all of your rights. Mm-hmm. You don't lose your right to free speech. You don't lose, you, you, you know, if you're a convicted felon, you might temporarily lose your right to vote, but you, you, you know, gain that back when you've paid your penance and done your crime. So I, I don't know. I mean, how you, how you decide what rights you lose Are is podcasting rights in there. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that when you are when you are convicted of a crime, you lose your free speech rights. No, so I, I yeah. wasn't sure of the details of this. I thought he was actually podcasting from his jail well, cell. That would be and, impressive. And I, don't, I don't think that the prison has to like go out of their way to provide him. But if he's just making phone calls and talking to people and they're recording it, I don't. I, as much as I don't like the guy or agree with what he says, it seems like that's. One of his fundamental rights. Here's here's what the jail said. Quote, we certainly don't allow a podcast from a cell block. He merely calls someone who's recording his phone conversation. They digitize the phone conversation. They put it on a blog. It's not as though we're providing him with equipment to assist him in this matter. We just don't have any control. I, 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 I would agree with that statement. <laughs> I think that's right. And the same limits that apply to free speech when you're not in jail would apply here. Like if he incites violence or calls on people to do something like then he would face criminal charges for that. But mm. if he wants to call somebody and they record it and release <laughs> it and he wants to say terrible, hateful things about black people or, or you know, then then that might make him despicable. But it, it that's his constitutional right in some ways it does speak to the the merit of free speech right so that we are allowing a prisoner to from that prison uh share hateful speech right we're saying that yes we we have the right and a lot of countries around the world would not allow that but the united states is a unique one where you can continue to podcast uh your uh, your white supremacy from jail it is your constitutional right that's right <laughs> I'm glad I get to talk to you guys about this because I feel better about it now. <laughs> it bothered me the first time I read the story. That's the other thing. I mean, like you said going into this, who really cares? I mean, this guy means nothing. Right. He's not a real – he's – and I, I still stand by this. These are not real Nazis. No, these terrible. Are, these are cosplayers yeah. who think that they're Nazis. They're Halloween costumes. It, it's <laughs> – Go ahead. Weren't the early Nazis cosplayers as well, though? Yes, that's true. But then they turned into real Nazis. <laughs> right, yes. right. So where, that's where, you, where do you draw the line? I don't I, know. I don't these know. aren't real Nazis. I, I can't remember. I'm, I'm drawing the line right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
can't remember if I sent this to you, Phil, or you sent it to me, but there was a comedian talking about Nazis, and he was reflecting on this, and he was like, we don't even have good Nazis anymore. Like, it used to be like old Nazis were, they were smart, they were scientists, they did things. You know, they were terrible, but they were smart. Now it's just all knuckleheads who are, you know, they don't know what they're doing, and, you know, even our Nazis suck these days. So... (laughs) Oh, no Nazis, Nazis, Nazis always anymore. suck, but I think this this version is particularly sucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they're no good. That's a good way to end, Nick. That is a good way to end. <laughs> oh my god, oh. we did a lot today. Yeah, that we was, did. That was exhausting. Yeah. That was no, it was good. These are always good. So, um, any final thoughts? I just can't wait to see what comes in the next couple of weeks. I yeah. think we've got. I think this is we're at the tipping point of some really interesting legal questions. Yeah, it'll be interesting, guys. After the Astros finish the World Series tonight, I'll actually be able to pay attention to the news again. I'm going to be way better about podcasting after Uh, Well, again, if you like the podcast, follow us on Facebook, uh, Barstool Politics, Twitter at Barstool Paul. Um, Questions that you'd like us to answer um, or beer suggestions or comments or anything, uh, send it to our email, uh, barstoolpolitics at yahoo.com. Um, the Untapped app. Uh, check out all our beer things that we tried. Um, leave us suggestions on there. Um, yeah, I know beer things. Beer things. <laughs> beer I, things. I lost. I lost the words. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, review us on iTunes. Uh, share us with your friends. That's how we continue to make this grow. Um, other than that, uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. For cheers. A busy week. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. Thanks.